Are the Philadelphia Eagles actually going to trade for Titans running back Derrick Henry? We talk about that. The Jalen Hurts extension. Also dive into the latest on Aaron Rodgers and what the Texans could do with the number two overall pick. All that and more coming up next here on this Monday edition of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostreicher, one of the many NFL experts here on our network, are free and available all podcasting platforms. You can subscribe for free, both in audio form, anywhere you get your shows, or in video form. And today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today. Take 10% off of your first month. And we're back here again. And where this is exciting, the draft less than a week away. It starts on Thursday. Obviously, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is draft weekend. Really excited for that. So thank you for tuning in here to this pre-draft Monday episode of Locked On NFL. Whether this is your first time tuning into the show or whether you're an everyday or listening here every day, we're a free and available daily NFL podcast five days per week. So be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel on YouTube and follow along in audio form as well here today though plenty of conversations we're gonna have here with more of our experts from our network first we'll talk with Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles about what's going on with the Eagles and Derrick Henry as well as the Jalen Hurts extension then in the second segment we will move into our conversation with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers the latest on a potential Aaron Rodgers to the Jets trade what that compensation could look like then finally we'll move over to the AFC South in Cody Davis as we'll be talking about the Texans and what they could do with that number two overall pick and how they could mess it up. So we'll talk about that with Cody in the final segment. So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with Juno Camilleri of Locked On Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles made a big extension, big commitment to Jalen Hurts with a huge money contract. Plus, they have two first-round picks coming up in the draft this week. Here to talk about that with me is Gino Camilleri, one of the hosts over at Locked On Eagles. And Gino, let's start with Jalen Hurts, obviously the face of the franchise, and the Eagles Mm -hmm. paid him as such, giving him 51 average annual value, 180 practically guaranteed with the 110 at signing. Were you expecting this to get done before the draft, and how did you actually like the particulars of the deal? I would have had to expect that it got done before the draft because you didn't know what your cap number was going to be into going into this class. And you have to have that money allocated to pay these guys that you're going to draft. And why wouldn't you want to get this deal done when the Lamar Jackson impending contract, whenever that gets sorted out is going to be a lot of money. And Joe Burrow is down the road and Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, the list goes on and on. I keep saying on our show that it's a blessing in disguise that the Eagles waited until the second round to get this guy. One, we didn't think he was going to ever hit any of these metrics, so pay him his money because he did. And two, you got to pay him a year quicker than those guys that were in his class like Tua and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow because they had that fifth-year option. Was it warranted that he got the most money in NFL history? In my opinion, yeah. Why wouldn't he? If you believe that he transcends – 
any quarterback that you've had in the last 10 years, maybe even since Donovan McNabb, and fits that franchise mold. We keep saying you either pay him his money or you find somebody else. You don't go to that purgatory where, let's say, the New York Giants are right now, where you were in a bidding war with Daniel Jones over 38 or $40 million. If you're not willing to say, hey, here's a blank check for you to elevate our franchise over the next five years, and we could cut some costs, but we know that this game runs through you, i.e. Patrick Mahomes, i.e. Josh Allen, the inevitable Lamar Jackson contract. When you're an MVP front runner, FanDuel has him in the top five. He put up those numbers last year. He put up the most points in a Super Bowl outing and a loss. I know moral victory, but hey, you're going against Pat Mahomes. What more could you want on your resume going into this offseason to warrant that type of money? Yeah, give them that money, keep them in-house, and above everything else, I think this move makes so much sense because you have to go back to his days at Alabama when he was benched for Tua, and the mental fortitude that he had in a national championship game to get benched, go back to the same school when in this portal era, guys just get up and leave when their situation isn't right. He has overcome so much that I don't think we put a lot of stock into, which both Lou and I, when we're saying evaluating players going forward, if they have a strong work ethic with the tools that are there, they just have to go to the right situation, man. You bank on them because Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, these guys are paradigm changers. They change the way you should think about the position. And I think a lot of guys like Justin Fields are going to reap the rewards of Jalen Hurts signing this mega extension because teams are going that route. You want a two-way guy. You want somebody that can run the ball as well as pass, make an offense 12 on 10 most of the time because you put a spy in there that takes one guy completely out of the play. Now you're two up on offense. That's what Jalen Hurts made the Eagles do last year, and I can't see him taking a step back. FanDuel has him as the fifth highest favorite right now in regards to the MVP race. Why not? Why can't he be that guy going forward? Yeah, he's someone who 100% deserved the money. And after all he did, he the Eagles looked unstoppable in the regular season. Obviously, I mean, he led a Super Bowl-winning performance. Obviously, mm. they didn't win the game. But with that performance, with the way the defense obviously failed Philadelphia, they should have won that game there. But, mm. you know, let's move to the draft. The Eagles, they made Howie Roseman an incredible deal with the Saints last offseason. They pick up a, a pick in the top 10 for a team that just made the Super Bowl. You also have pick 30 there. For Philadelphia, what do you want to see Philly do in the draft here to up their roster and get back to that big game? Yeah, just to start talking about the idea of getting that Saints pick in a year where one, the Saints haven't been this bad since 2016. Talk about the idea of luck. When have there ever been this many teams that are just starving to get a quarterback that are willing to move up into the top 10 if they aren't already there in the top 10, aligning with four, potentially five guys that teams might take a first round flyer on? The Eagles could potentially luck into Jalen Carter, which would be surreal. And to pair him with Jordan Davis, I think, would be one thing that takes his franchise not just to the next level, but puts you into that window of Super Bowl opportunities going forward. But at the end of the day, the Eagles have to stick to their guns. They don't have to go for need, go for best best player available at the position that you value the highest. And the idea of adding B. John Robinson, look, folks, it sounds good. Fantasy Geno would love that. You want to see this offense put up 35 to 42 points, go right ahead. Well, the thing that faulted the Eagles when they did put up 35 points was they didn't get a stop on defense, and they lost a lot of guys from that defensive starting group last year. 
You don't have to draft for need, but draft for the strengths of the class, which also align for some of the needs that you do have. If Christian Gonzalez is there, absolutely make that pick. Or Devon Witherspoon. Let's say Tyree Wilson isn't the first or second guy selected, and he falls just a few spots. Or even Nolan Smith, if that's your cup of tea. Go with the trenches because you have seen the rewards that you have gotten from having an elite offensive line and an elite defensive line. And, hey, if Paris Johnson doesn't go third overall, which the crazy rumor that's going around right now seems to be, that the Eagles might take him at 10 if he falls there. And you never know what the Eagles are going to do. Howie Roseman never wants to back himself into a corner. But rest assured, what you can bank on is they will stick to their guns when it comes to a team-building philosophy. Build from the inside out. Stick to the Andy Reid method of building. Give me two tackles, two guys to rush the passer, two cornerbacks, and we'll figure everything else out. So if they luck into Jalen Carter, Kevin, watch out for defense, offensive lines going forward because I don't want to have to deal with Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, who's back once again, and Milton Williams, who might be one of the most underrated stars in the league. Oh, and you have Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham, who's coming off of a franchise year. So whoever comes into this defense or the offensive line group, or heck, what if they draft B. John Robinson? You truly never know. I think whatever player comes in, the Eagles will have done enough research on to know that they aren't just going to be here for this four-year window and not sign a second extension. They want them to be a franchise pillar, and franchise pillars in Philadelphia are in the trenches. Yeah, and I'm telling you, if Jalen Carter goes there, you're building that Georgia defense with the Kobe Dean already there. Run it and back. Jordan Davis, too. Yeah, just run it all the way back there. Worked out in college. Obviously, the mm-hmm. pros are a little, a little different. But, you know, what's up with this Derrick Henry stuff? We've heard kind of rumblings throughout the course of the last couple of days, maybe even weeks if they're very small. But obviously, there have been some rumors that maybe Derrick Henry's headed to, to Philadelphia in some way, shape, or form. I mean, how would you feel if that move was made? One, completely shocked, but if you went back and saw my live reaction to the A.J. Brown news, Howie Roseman always just continues to shock us here in Philadelphia. And would it surprise me from a team-building standpoint? 100%, because they're putting a lot of resources into a position where if you didn't want to pay Miles Sanders $6 million a year, why are you going to, one, give up a high asset, which I'm assuming Tennessee wants for one of their premier players, and two, pay him the same amount of money that you weren't willing to give Miles Sanders, especially when you brought in Rashad Penny for a fraction of the price. This team and franchise believes in Kenny Gainwell, his explosiveness, his vision, his ability to get through the tackles, even as a smaller player, plus Boston Scott's ability to really be a do-it-all type of guy for you, even in the biggest moments. If you go back to that Super Bowl, Boston Scott had one of the top plays in that Super Bowl, breaking multiple guys' ankles on a turf field, which nobody could get their footing. And Boston Scott cost you nothing. Kenny Gainwell cost you nothing. You drafted him after the 100th pick in the class. Why are you going to spend all of this money at a position when you just paid a quarterback and you know that cap number is going to continue to go up? Why invest at the running back position when your quarterback arguably might be the best ball carrier? Let him continue to be him. Don't invest high assets in running backs. That's the way the league is going. Linebackers, running backs, don't invest high assets in either of those positions. I don't think the Eagles will go outside of their norm, but our friend over at Locked on Titans, Tyler Rowland, did say that when they got that trade done with A.J. Brown, the player they were really calling about at first was Derrick Henry. Connect the dots. Maybe it does happen. 
Big shout out to Gino for hopping on talking Eagles football for more on Gino's work and the Eagles. Be sure to check out the Locked On Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up here on our second segment, though, we'll be diving into our conversation with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers, Aaron Rodgers, what's going on with that situation, and so much more. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into on Locked On NFL. But first, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And there are so many times throughout my life where I learned something about myself, something new about myself. And that experience was really good for me because it helped change and shape my life. But getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing in so many different ways. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness, though, and also understanding because sometimes you don't know what we want why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And there are so many benefits to therapy. And some of those can include positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It can empower you to become the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's also designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Oshreker still here with you on this Monday. Again, thank you so much for being here with us today on Monday. If you want our content throughout the rest of the week, we'll be doing a ton of draft coverage here with all of our hosts on this channel here on the airwaves and audio form and also the video form on YouTube. But now let's dive into our conversation with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers as the Aaron Rodgers situation has been a doozy. It's definitely been one that has caught the attention of many. It hasn't really moved over the course of the last couple of months. So let's now dive into our conversation with Peter and how the Aaron Rodgers situation could change over the next couple of days. The Green Bay Packers have been at the forefront of some of the conversation this offseason in terms of Aaron Rodgers. And when is he going to go to the New York Jets? Here to talk about that with me, Peter Bukowski, the host over at Locked On Packers. And Peter, I know over the course of the past couple of days, we have now heard the Jets and the Packers are re-engaging on the conversations to send Aaron Rodgers to New York, potentially. But a lot of people thought maybe it'd be done by now. Some people don't believe it's going to be done at all. I mean, how weird would it be for you if it wasn't done by the time the draft is over? I would be pretty surprised, um, especially because, you know, we have these reports that they're re-engaging. I, I didn't make much of this idea that, oh, um, you know, they're not talking for weeks on end. And so this is somehow bad for the the conversations here. I don't I don't really think it matters that much, frankly, because the, the draft was always the deadline. So there really wasn't an, an incentive for either side to show their hand and act like they were they were stoked to get this done to just be like, OK, like we're really we're really excited to do this deal now. What I think is also interesting and has to be mentioned here is there has been reporting now that there was a deal agreed to at least in principle or something close to agreed in principle, like 90% somewhere in there, close enough that the Jets brass went out to meet Aaron Rodgers. Everyone remembers this. This happened like it seems like six years ago. And that then about a week later, Aaron Rodgers goes on Pat McAfee's show and says, I was 90% retired. And that spooked Woody Johnson. This is the reporting that is out there. And that spooked the Jets off the deal. And so if you're the Packers, then you're going, okay, listen, the real deadline for this is on draft night. And it seems like they've agreed that the compensation this year 
that makes sense is the 2022 second round pick or 2023 second round pick. Um, whether it's 42 or 43, I don't think matters that much, but it's going to be one of those picks. And then you figure out the protections that go on whatever the future picks are. And we can talk about that stuff, but it makes sense for both sides to say, okay, if we agree on what happens this year, then let's, then let's just do it. Let's do it in time for that pick to convey. And we can figure out the minutia as we get a little bit closer. It's fine. Deadline spur action. And I think that's ultimately where we find ourselves now. Right. You know, you mentioned the, the 2023 second. I know there were a lot of people potentially saying, well, the Packers should get a first for Rogers. You know, that should be the compensation. H- how is your kind of view of what the compensation, at least in your mind, Peter, should be for him based off when the conversations first, first started to where they actually are now? Well, when the conversations first started, I anticipated um, if, if Rogers is traded, you're looking at two years or maybe more. And so then I think in that situation, that's when you're going, okay, this is going to be a haul. This is going to be a Russell Wilson type deal because when Russell Wilson was traded, he just objectively was not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. I understand that neither of them were particularly great last year. Um, but even by that standard, Aaron Rodgers was much better than Russell Wilson, who was bad last year, like one of the five worst starting quarterbacks in football bad last year. Um, that's not a high bar to clear. The Jets are clearly thinking that they're going to get a better player than that. But then when it became clear that, okay, well, retirement was, was maybe more real than we realized. Um, then I think it starts to become, okay, what, what is one year of Aaron Rodgers worth? And I think any team like the Jets thinks, okay, if we get Aaron Rodgers and we have a really good season, we go to the AFC championship game, we go to the Super Bowl, we win the Super Bowl, whatever we give up is worth it for one year of Aaron Rodgers. And then we can convince him to stay for another year. Like if we win, why wouldn't he come back and defend the title and try and win one more time? So, and that's what Aaron Rodgers has always said he wanted. He wants that John Elway send-off. Now, the only people that get that are generally John Elway. No one else has has been able to do that. Peyton Manning sort of, right, with the Denver year, even though he was pretty bad that season. So I, I think that now, you know, I, I, I've looked around the league and I went, Sam Darnold got a second and a bunch of stuff. Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, got a conditional first and a day two pick um, and then was bad and then got two more day two picks in a trade with Washington. Like if you can't get for Aaron Rodgers, what those guys got, even for one year, then that's, that's a really bad deal for green Bay. And so I think, you know, what, what the reporting has been and what I've been told is the, the Packers want a first round value of, of draft picks. So that could be 42 and 43. That would equate to by whatever trade chart you look at first round value. Um, if it's a, a 42 this year and a future second, that could become a first, even just those two seconds, that's something close to first round value. And then you could get that for future first round pick. The reporting that we have though, um, Kevin, is that the Packers want a guaranteed future first that they understand. You don't want to give up 13, like as the Packers they're saying we get that um but that future first we want and we want it guaranteed and and part of the reason Kevin is I think they are holding open the possibility that Rodgers goes full Russell Wilson that this goes really badly and that a guy who is 90% retired and goes to a new city with a new team with new coaching staffs with a guy who's never called plays for him before even though they have that familiarity goes sideways And that just the bad juju of the Jets is enough to drag this down into the muck, right? And all of a sudden you get a top 10 pick like the Seahawks did for Russell Wilson. 
I think they'd like to keep that on the table with the understanding that the Jets want to use 13 to add, you know, a Peter Skoronsky or a Broderick Jones, one of these offensive linemen to bolster that group. So I think that that the trade that has been reported this year's second and next year, a second that be, can, can become a first if the conditions are pretty straightforward. Like if Rodgers plays 50% of snaps, it's a first, right? Or even the Carson Wentz, 75% of snaps. Rodgers is going to play 75% of snaps. Um, and so, and if he doesn't, that team is bad. And that second round pick is going to be like in the thirties, right? So, um, it's, it's just one of those things where you're going, okay, um, wh where can you find that sweet spot where it doesn't hurt the jets too much, but you're the Packers, you're maximizing that value because at a certain point, if you can't get fair value from the jets, you got to call the 49ers. You got to call, I don't know, Baltimore. You got to call someone Indianapolis and say, all right, the jets aren't playing fair here. And they negotiated the first deal in bad faith. And so we'd like to give you the option to come in and match an Aaron Rodgers deal. That's going to be for pennies on the dollar. I think there are teams out there that'd be willing to do that and take a gamble and say, Aaron Rodgers, come play for us. A big shout out to Peter for talking Packers with me. And of course, for more on the Packers and Peter's work, be sure to check out the Locked On Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, though, in our final part of the show, we'll be diving into a really good conversation with Cody Davis of Locked On Texans as they hold that number two overall pick and just what they could do with it. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into on the show. We're back rounding out locked on NFL here on Monday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. And we're going to dive right into it. Our conversation with Cody Davis of locked on Texans as Houston has the number two overall pick and the number 12 overall pick from Cleveland. And that Deshaun Watson trade, plenty of big decisions to make for that organization. We'll talk with Cody about what they could be coming up now. Well, the Houston Texans have a massive decision to make at number two overall coming up this week. Here to talk about that with me, Cody Davis, one of the hosts over at Locked On Texans. And Cody, I appreciate you coming on here talking with me about what is turned into, I think, a very massive decision <laughs> and one that people don't know about anymore. Oh, it, my it gosh. Like, and I can hear it in your voice. It's such like, you know, exasperation, almost like, you know no way the Texans don't take a quarterback. You have Bryce Young, you have C.J. Stroud. But now there's real talk that maybe it's not a quarterback at two. I mean, what would that do to you if Houston decides to go another direction than quarterback at two? It'll make my head hurt. It'll make my stomach hurt. It'll just make me get angry at this franchise once again because, Kevin, look, let me tell you something. After the whole foolishness and nonsense that has gone on over the last two, three seasons, you already know the story. Deshaun, Jack Easterby, Cully, Lovey Smith, you only won seven games out of the last two years. Like, everyone was happy. You got yourself a head coach in D'Amico Ryans who has brought a lot of credibility, a lot of promise, a lot of hope to this organization. Even though Nick Casario, uh, you know, his tenure has been a little up and down, but we give him a pass because he came into a horrible situation. Now you got a head coach. You got arguably the, the, the best draft capital that you ever had as a general manager. And it's like, okay, given everything that has taken place, you have an opportunity to draft one of the two franchise quarterbacks that are just, just giving it to you, Bryce and CJ. Everyone thought at the beginning of the draft season that it was going to be easy. You get Bryce or CJ. Whoever the Carolina Panthers take, you just take the other because the talent gap between those two 
It's not the best. I understand it. I think we all can agree that Bryce Young does have the upper hand over CJ, but at the end of the day, it's CJ Stroud, a potential franchise quarterback. Easy selection at number two, but here we are, about what, four days away from the draft, and we got this Will Levis nonsense going on. We got this talk talking about some they could take Will Anderson at two. I would be okay with that, but now you're talking about trading two, and if you trade two, Will Anderson is definitely not going to be there when you, when you pick again. Nobody knows what's going on. I call it on Lock On Texans poker face. I just say they don't want to show their hands too early. Maybe they try to finesse somebody to give them extra picks. Who knows? All I know is from reporters to fans, everybody is on edge. We don't know what is going on with the Houston Texans as of right now. And that number two overall pick is either going to make this organization or it's going to break them once again. Yeah, and it seems to me, Cody, like, you know, you talked about Will Levis. It seems like for you, that is the like disaster, like absolute panic scenario for the Texans. I mean, what would that be for you if Houston decides to go with Will Anderson at two or someone not a quarterback and then maybe take a Will Levis at 12? I'm quitting. I'm just quitting. I'm calling Ross. I'm calling Dave. I'm going to say thank you for this opportunity. I just can't do it. And, and Kevin, it doesn't make sense because look, understand for some odd reason over the last couple of weeks a lot of people has been talking down on cj Stroud. i'll get that i understand it however everyone knows that the houston texans need a quarterback you take a look at the disappointing season that davis mills had last year and i know some people didn't believe in davis mills i was one of the believers and i like the fact that this organization gave davis mills an opportunity to showcase whether or not he could be the quarterback of the future and unfortunately he failed so i get it from a standpoint that you need a quarterback I get it from a standpoint for one reader for one reason or another, you might have some questions about CJ, but here's my only issue, Kevin, you have Anthony Richardson, who I have ahead of Will Levis and Hendon Hooker, who I feel if he was healthy, he will be the third best quarterback. So why in the world are you going to go all the way down to Will Levis? You can let me know where he, where he's at on your draft board, but on my quarterback draft board, he's at the bottom. I think he is overrated, unfortunately. No disrespect to the young man. And I also believe that Will Levis is the type of prospect that needs to go to a coaching staff that is a little bit more established in order to get the best version of him. And when I take a look at the Houston Texans as of right now, I don't think he's going to get that, which means you're going to waste your pick picking Will Levis. And by the way, I'm not picking a quarterback who put mayonnaise in his coffee. I'm not picking a quarterback who's going to eat a banana just without peeling it or whatever the case might be. Like, I just don't understand the notion. Why are you going to take the risk or the potential of this organization taking the risk on Will Levis when you have Anthony Richardson right there? You have Hendon Hooker, who I feel, once again, is the third best quarterback in this draft and would be if he was 100% healthy. Yeah. And I mean, I'm with you. I'm not a huge Will Levis guy. I would rather take Richardson by far. I also, I I like Hendon Hooker a lot. Obviously the ACL is going to factor into maybe where he Mm. goes, but I think he's going to be one heck of a player. So I think for me, Levis is someone I wouldn't personally touch, but maybe, maybe another (laughs) team will, I don't know. But Cody, I know that again, quarterback is a huge need for them. Obviously number one by pretty wide margin, but there are other (laughs) needs Houston has too. I know the wide receiver talk has been really big there in terms of, you you have these four, maybe five first round receivers. Does Houston take the first one off the board there at 12? What, what other positions outside of quarterback are you looking at for Houston? Well, of course, 
whoever they pick a quarterback, you got to make sure that they have some type of weapons because when you go back and you take a look at how bad Davis Mills' season was last year, um, a big part of it was he really didn't have that too many weapons to 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 utilize. You know, especially in the wide receiving core. Um, the wide receiving core outside of Brandon Cooks prior to him quitting on the team, uh, he was by far the only wide receiver that actually came out there and actually gave this franchise something at that position group. So, of course, outside of outside of quarterback, you got to take a look at the wide receiver market. I'm big on Quentin Johnston from TCU. A lot of people like Jackson Smith and the Jigma. I would, I would have loved Jackson, Jackson Smith and the Jigma if you would have gotten C.J. Stroud at number two. That is actually my dream scenario. I just love the pairing of a potential franchise quarterback playing with guys and weapons that he's been playing with in college, i.e. just take a look at what Cincinnati has been able to do. But um, but outside of wide receiver, you got to take a look at that defensive line unit. That's why I would not be that upset if with the number two overall pick, they go Will Anderson. I am interested, though, to see how far Jalen Carter falls, because I do feel like if they go quarterback at two and everyone knows that D'Amico Ryan's definitely want a foundational piece that he can build his defensive line unit on, I am 100% intrigued to see how this whole Jalen Carter thing is going to play out because, look, I understand he got a lot of stuff going on off the field. You know, hopefully he can get that stuff taken care of. But that young man still got a lot of talent, and I think he would be a steal if he falls all the way to 12 for the Houston Texans. But that is another that is another position that I'm looking at for the Houston Texans outside of quarterback. Huge shout-out to Cody. Big decisions ahead for the Texans. For more on the Texans and Cody's work, be sure to check out the Locked on Texans podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. That's all I have for you here, though, today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in and being with us here today. We're going to get back here tomorrow. More NFL content from your Tuesday host, so be sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.